Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. I tricked Pastor McNeely into thinking I was done with the first seven verses. And that's why he changed his worship plan. If you saw the second email, it was totally different worship service. He's saving that one until I get to the next verses. I tricked him. I said, I'm going back to one through seven. I didn't do a good enough job yet. In particular, verses 6 and 7 are what I want us to look at this morning. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Last time I was in First Peter, we saw the necessity of humility in relationship with one another in the church. Regardless of your position, regardless of your gifts, Regardless of whether you're an elder, or whether you're a young man, or whether you're a child, Peter says everybody is to be in humility, interacting with everybody else in the body. Not pretending like there's no difference between us. He's in the process of laying out how elders are supposed to behave and how young men are supposed to behave, and they're different, right? And yet one thing that is the same is that we are to have humility toward one another. And we received the warning that God is opposed to the proud. We were also given the encouragement that he gives grace to the humble. And this week we're going to be focusing again on humility, but this time I want to turn our attention specifically to being humble before God. Humble toward God. Please stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 7. Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, verses 6 and 7 start with that Important word, therefore. It's a common word 
In this case, you can go back just a phrase or two and see why therefore is there, right? Why are we to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? Because God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. What is the relationship between being humble toward one another, which is what we were focusing on last time, and being humble toward God? The relationship between humility towards one another and humility toward God is pretty straightforward. It's one of those inseparable pairs. You can't take them apart from each other. If you are humble toward God, you will be humble toward one another. If you are actually humble toward one another, you will certainly be humble toward God. That's the basic relationship. You're not going to find one in yourself without finding the other. If you think you have one and don't have the other, you probably don't have either. I might say, you probably have both. But no, I think it's likely, if you don't think you have one, you're probably right. I'll give you that, and then I'll say, okay, then let's examine the other. They can't be separated from one another. Why can't you have one without the other? Well, you can't have humility toward one another without being humble toward God because God is far better than anybody else. Right? And if you're going to be humble to a sinner, to somebody who is pathetic, who hurts you, who forgets things, is miserable, doesn't care about you half the time, and basically fails all the time in general, and you're going to be humble towards them, then you're certainly going to be humble toward God who cares for you, never forgets about you, always listens to you, knows better than you do what you need and even what you want, and who loves you without failing ever. Right? Okay, so that's why you can't be humble toward one another without also being humble toward God. What about the other way? Can you be humble toward God without being humble toward one another. After all, I just got talking about how much better God is than us. Surely it would be easy to be humble toward him and then be, you know, a little bit less humble toward one another, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it seems to make sense. But if you think about what it means to be humble toward God, you'll quickly realize that It's impossible to be humble toward him without also caring about the people that he cares about, for example. Having 
His priorities become your priorities. Obeying His commands. Even if you just start at that, what does it look like to be humble toward God? I hope that the first thing you would say is, well, I mean, doing what He says, right? That would be, that would be the most basic way of being humble toward God, is doing what He says. And He says... Be humble towards one another. Right? So if you're actually being humble toward God, on that basis alone, you have to be humble toward one another. But there's another element to it, and that is that it's impossible to be humble toward God without uh, without being humble toward one another because being humble toward God reveals you for what you are. Remember I just got done talking about how bad everybody else is? Turn that around and look at yourself and think about how you fail the people around you. Look at God and recognize how he has never failed you. Realize that you constantly fail other people. And you can't help but realize once you see God for who he is, Humility means seeing yourself for who you are. And the moment you see yourself for who you are, you stop looking around at the people around you and going, oh man, I can't believe them. Because why? Because you begin, like the Apostle Paul, to say, yeah, they're all sinners, but I am the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinners because humility towards God opens your eyes to see yourself for who you really are. And the moment you see yourself for who you really are, you realize you're not all that compared to the people around you. Right? Don't you have to immediately have some sympathy and some compassion for the sinners around you when you see your own sin? Don't you immediately want to demonstrate the same grace that God has poured out on you when you see the people around you failing the same way that you fail? Don't you want to not be the wicked slave that was forgiven a great debt but is unwilling to forgive the small debt of his brother. Humility towards God is seeing the great debt that you have been forgiven of and recognizing that the debt that other people owe to you is small in comparison. And so your attitude towards them changes from one of, you have a debt to me, to... God has been gracious, hasn't he? God has been gracious. And so, we cannot be humble toward God without being humble toward one another. 
It's just impossible. Now, we can turn the whole thing around. We can examine it from another angle. We can look at it from the, from the negative side, okay? And that is why it's hard to be humble towards one another. It is hard to be humble towards one another. That elder that we must submit to, that we don't really like, Our mother that just seems unreasonable about 30 to 99% of the time. That member that we must lead who constantly makes life difficult. That child who thinks she already knows it all, or the one who hardens his heart and just won't listen. It's hard to have humility towards these people, isn't it? These very particular people. I hope you have particular people in mind right now. Because the goal is not a generic humility that never actually reaches the ground and never actually has any feet to it, right? Humility towards one another, the one another's have to be real people, not generic, idealistic people. It's very easy to, be hum to, to have humility to the generic elder, right? Because the generic elder has never sinned against you. The generic elder can be as likable as you want. And even if you decide in your mind to make the generic idol a bit of a cad, your humility is just as easy to create because it's just as fake. Right? But the moment you're thinking about real people, all of a sudden you think, okay, what does it look like to actually be humble towards them? And you begin to think, okay, that's why it's hard. Because there's things that really uh, rub me the wrong way about them. There's things that are, I'm really better than them at. And so though we were already focused on having humility towards one another, our focus this morning is supposed to be on humility before God. Ask yourself, why is it difficult to be humble toward one another? And the answer, of course, is it's difficult to be humble towards one another because it is difficult to accept from God's hand, the work that he has given us to do. In other words, it is difficult to be humble towards one another because we have trouble being humble before God.
This is what it looks like to, to flip the problem around and look at it from the other side, right? To recognize yet another reason why they can't ever be separated from one another. All of those people sitting around you that you find it hard to be humble towards, all of those people are the people that God has given you to be humble towards. The very ones. And so, if you find it difficult to be humble towards one another, then all of these, I don't know what to call them, people, problems, <laughs> difficulties of being humble, all of them are from God's hand, and humbling yourself before Him means accepting the work He's given you to do and doing it without complaint, right? The proud man receives a job and goes, fine. Because why? Because I'm so much better than that. Because I have so many better things to be doing than what you think I should be doing. Because that work is below me. Because nobody should have to do that work. Because you're unreasonable for asking me to do that work. Is this how you reply when your parents give you work to do? As a grump? The moment that you are a grump when your parents tell you to do something, it means that you think you're better than your parents. You're proud. That's the only reason for being a grump when you're told what to do. And if you are a grump when your parents tell you to do something, you will be a grump when God tells you to do something, because God is the one who said, honor your father and your mother. In fact, being a grump when they tell you to do something is being a grump towards God. It is pride. And so when God has given you work to do, children, that work is honor your father and your mother and your teachers and your elders and considering your brothers and sisters as more important than yourself. That's work from God. And parents... The work of training your children is work that God has given you. And the work of loving one another in the church is work that God has given us, right? Okay. Are we doing it without complaint? Are we doing the work that God has given us without complaint? Or are we being a grump about it? If you have a bad attitude about the work that God has given you, it is your pride. 
It is your pride. That's the only way that you can respond to God giving you work to do with anything besides gratitude. Anything else is placing yourself in judgment over God and saying, I know better. I shouldn't have to do this. You are mistaken. It's too hard for me. I know better. There's a lot of ways that we can judge God, right? There's a lot more important work that I could be doing, right? You can simply disobey and start doing something else. Or you can obey, but grumbling. Either way, it's you sitting in judgment over God and saying, I know better. So humbling yourself before him means accepting the work he's given you to do and doing it without complaint. And that includes the work of being humble towards one another. Which in the context is what the challenge that Peter is talking about. Right? So he goes straight from humility towards one another to humility towards God because they're that closely connected. What else does humility toward God look like? Well, you guys remember the story of Job? Kids, you remember what happened to Job? What kinds of things happened to him? Can anybody tell me? Yeah, Liam. He lost all his family. Yeah. He, he lost all his, his animals, all his sheep, all his camels, all his... Donkeys, all his. Was ox on the list? I don't know. You might have met. You might have added that one. All of them, though, which is like losing all your money. All your money today. What else happened to him? Now you already answered. Yeah, Judah. He got really, really sick. He was in a lot of pain, wasn't he? Boils all over his body. It felt better for him to take a broken piece of pottery and scrape himself than to just sit there doing nothing. What else happened to him? Yeah. His wife told him, curse God and die. Disobey God. Did I miss any? What else happened? His friends turned on him. Yep. Yep. In the end, 
he was blessed. In the end, he was blessed. But of all of those bad things that happened to him, and there were plenty, right? Any one of those would be enough for us to say, yowzers. Do you guys say yowzers? <laughs> Is that just me? You say wowzers, okay. Wowzers. Ouch. Bad news. Not fun, right? And did Job accept the trouble that came from God's hand? Did he accept it? In the end, he did. I think that's the best way to answer that question. He was closer to accepting it than his wife was, right? And in the end, though he was more humble than his friends, he still needed to be humbled more before God, before he really accepted it, right? In the end, he said, I put my hand over my mouth. I do not speak anymore. What does humility toward God look like? It looks like accepting trouble from God's hand and not just blessing, right? Humility says, what God has chosen to give me I will receive. Just like Job said, shall I receive blessing from the Lord only? Or also, shall I receive trouble from him? To paraphrase oddly. That's one thing, one way that it looks humble. Humble toward God is knowing that whatever he has chosen to give us, whether it's trouble or whether it's blessing, that we receive it. We do not reject it. And we trust that he will bring about his good plan regardless of whether we currently have lots of trouble or lots of blessing. What else does it look like to have humility towards God? Well, trouble isn't the only thing that we think of. We think of things that are hard to receive from God's hand, right? What else is it hard to receive from God's hand? Discipline. Discipline. Sometimes the trouble is discipline. Other times with Job, it's not, right? That's why we're looking at Job. We're just talking about trouble. Job had plenty of trouble, and it wasn't, it wasn't God disciplining him. But it was God bringing glory to himself through the life of Job, through his suffering. 
But other times, we receive hard things from the Lord that are precisely a result of our sin. They are discipline from his hand. Humility receives discipline, right? Think of the book of Proverbs over and over. The book of Proverbs tells the young man to not be a fool, right? And tells the parents, drive the foolishness out of the young man by disciplining him. And then tells the young man, listen, listen to your mother, listen to your father. Don't be proud. Don't be a proud fool. Be a humble, wise man. Receive discipline. And grow and benefit from it. If we are willing to accept discipline, from God's hand and not only gifts. That is humility. That is humility. But if on the other hand, we only attribute gifts to him and we're only willing to accept gifts from him, and any sort of trouble and any sort of discipline, we reject and say, ah, oh, that doesn't have anything to do with God. God didn't mean that. God didn't have any desire that anybody would have trouble. God, didn't, God, God is loving. He wouldn't discipline us. And we are being very, very proud, aren't we? Too proud to let God discipline us. So humility towards God means accepting trouble from his hand. It means accepting discipline from his hand. And we already got through humility looks like doing the work he's given us to do, right? Which is to say, obeying. Humility towards God looks like obeying him, doesn't it? What else does humility toward God look like? Fourth thing is confessing our sins. Of course we are going to confess our sins if we're humble towards God, right? Because humility towards God means recognizing who he is in comparison with us. One of the things that were that's brought out in this passage is his mighty right hand right his might his power his strength but another thing that we can't help as christians but constantly remember is his holiness compared to our sinfulness Do you have any knowledge of who you are? 
if you have any knowledge of who you are, if, you're, if your brain is turned on in the slightest, then you know you're a sinner. You know you do things that are wrong on purpose. You know that you avoid doing things you need to do, and you avoid doing them on purpose. This is sin. Seeing God for who he is, we realize he is utterly different than us. He does not avoid doing good. He is good. He does not give himself over to doing bad. He doesn't even want to. That's very different from us, isn't it? And so humility means we confess, God, you are holy. I am a sinner. Please forgive me. And yet another place where humility towards God and humility towards one another come together as one Confession of sin is not only to our Heavenly Father, but to one another as well. We confess our sins to one another because we are humble before God. It's hard, hard to be humble, and it's easy to be proud. The Bible is full of commands for us to be humble. One of them is Philippians 2, 3, with humility of mind, regard one another is more important than yourselves. Humility of mind. It would take humility of mind to think other people were more important than yourself, wouldn't it? Because we start out our life knowing that we're the most important thing. Our desires are the only desires that matter. And so humility toward God, as we also already saw, will look like being humble towards one another, won't it? Okay, so what does it look like to be humble towards God? Accepting trouble from his hand and not just gifts, right? Not just blessings. Accepting discipline from his hand, obeying his commands, confessing our sins, and being humble toward one another. Now, what does this have to do with anxiety? Because that's where he goes next. Anxiety. If you think about it, it's easy to see how 
the command to be humble can lead straight into anxiety. Be humble. Uh, Not just because, I'm not sure I can do that, but for the reasons why you're not sure you can do that. You ever had the experience of being completely out of your depth, completely out of your element? You don't have any idea how this thing works. Might have been a social situation. Uh, you know, you're you're uh, at a at a formal dining meal for the first time in your life. Never had parents that taught you what fork you're supposed to eat with. There's seven of them. You're completely out of your element, right? And what's the last thing you want at that moment? For anybody else to know how clueless you are, right? You don't want anybody else to know how little you know when you don't know anything. Right? It requires humility to turn to the person next to you and say, hey, what's with all the silverware? How come there are four glasses? It seems like there are right ways and wrong ways to do everything, and I don't know any of them. Now, that might seem like a silly example to some of you because you don't care about that sort of thing. But I guarantee you there are plenty of examples of things that you do care about. People that you don't want to see that you are weak. People that you don't want to know that you are ignorant. People that you don't want to appear to be clueless in front of. People that you don't want to ever know that you are unable to do something. Now this happens with adults and it also happens with children. There are certain, there are certain kinds of things that we care about. And some of you and, and, certain, and certain people that we care about, what they think of us. And so sometimes the thing that we care about is determined by the people that we care about. Right? Now, I'm terrible at art. I've always been bad at art. But that's easy for me to admit because... I don't think anybody really cares whether I'm good at art. And I don't really care whether you care whether I'm good at art. I'm just bad at it. There's there's no getting around it. I struggled drawing a nice circle when I was in fourth grade and we were supposed to be drawing somebody's face and the teacher's like, okay, start by doing a nice circle. And this art teacher, you know, perfect circle after perfect circle with chalk on a chalkboard. I mean, I couldn't even do a small one on my little piece of paper. It's always been that way for me. 
But if, for example, I had wanted to date a girl that was really good at art, and I thought maybe she cared, I might have wanted to hide the fact that I was bad at art. Just for example, right? And been really embarrassed if it came out that I couldn't draw straight circles. Or tried to hide it. And then gotten angry if somebody brought up how bad I was at art, even though I was joking about it last week. Who's around makes all the difference, doesn't it? And so, our pride is what drives us to anxiety. Our pride is what drives us to be anxious because we don't want to appear in front of others as weak. That's pride, right? And so the moment that we're told, be humble, all of our pride comes to the surface in the form of various anxieties. But what will happen? What will happen? And particularly the things... Not just that we're bad at, but particularly the things that we're good at. It's nothing for me to be shown up in my practically non-existent art skill. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. But you know what's really a challenge for me? It's really a challenge for me to be humble enough to accept that there are other people who are better than me at preaching. That's hard. And that can induce anxiety in me. Because what if the other people who are better at preaching than me take advantage of that fact? to make me look like an idiot in front of all the poor people who have to listen to my pathetic preaching compared to his. Now that one probably sounds silly to most of you guys. But it's not silly, it's just pride. You all have these sorts of things where anxiety will come to the surface, the moment that we're told to be humble. We are inclined to think that we're going to lose out by being humble. There's a lot of different ways. I've only, I've only talked about a couple of them. But at, at, you know, at the generic level, humility means not pursuing your own glory, right? Per humility means not looking out for number one. And so what's going to happen? Well, other people are going to get the glory that we thought we should have gotten. 
Other people are going to get the money. Other people are going to get the reward. Other people are going to get the credit, the gain. And not only might other people get it if we don't look out for number one, but if we are humble, they might take advantage of us. Or another way of being anxious is what will happen if we don't guarantee our own future, right? Well, you can't guarantee your own future. God is the only one who can guarantee your future. You can't guarantee your future, but the moment that you're told be humble, you think, yeah, but what will happen to me? If I don't guarantee my own future, that's your pride speaking again, right? See, the moment we're told, be humble, pride speaks and it makes us anxious. Now, the truth is, there is a reward. What happened to Job, besides all the suffering and trouble that he faced, was he also received blessing from God. But that wasn't his reward. The reward that we are looking forward to is the unfading crown of glory from verse 4. Not the worldly things that we can grasp for ourselves. And the fact is that if you're anxious, the antidote to your anxiety is to change from being concerned about the worldly, the things that you can grasp, your own pride, to being concerned about the unfading crown of glory. And the second antidote is to remember that God cares for you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so you don't have to be anxious or worried. The reward for Job was not all of the blessings that he got before he died again. But that was God caring for Job, wasn't it? And so we are to remember Job, we are to remember that good came to him in the end, before he died, because we are to remember that God cares for his children. And so we have no need to be anxious or worry. We have no need to grasp things for ourselves without trusting him. Yes, it may happen that you receive trouble from his hand. Yes, it may happen that others will take advantage of you if you do not make your goodness, your strength, your skill known before others. Yes, it may even happen that you will receive unjust rewards for your work. You remember the 
parable of the vineyard workers? Man, that rubs me the wrong way. Working all day through the heat of the day, getting their one denarius. When the guys who came and worked for one hour at the very end and got to do the easy part, get paid the same amount? Requires humility, doesn't it? (laughs) Requires humility to not be upset at those people, to not be upset at God. God is not being unjust. As unjust and unfair as that sounds to us in our pride, In our humility, we recognize God has been kind to us, hasn't he? God has been gracious to us. God has given us good gifts. He's cared for us. He's looked out for us. He's given us better and more than we deserve. And there is a reward waiting for us. Among those rewards, the unfading crown of glory. And that will come at the proper time. It just so happens that it's last. It's last. But you know what? That goes along very well with humility, doesn't it? Because the first will be last. And the last will be first. And so remember, Luke 14.11 says, Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. We will receive that unfading crown of glory if we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. It's a mighty hand, and it's a good hand to be under. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are mighty, not just able to accomplish your word, not just capable of fulfilling your promises, but actively doing it. Father, you are humbling the proud and you are raising up the humble. And so, Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you now by coming into your presence with prayer, confessing our sins, asking you, for things that we need, knowing that it is not by the strength of our hand, but by your will that we are provided for. And so, Heavenly Father, grant that we would be humble without fear. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.